thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 223 of the Real Life Runners podcast. So is it true that running more will make you a better runner? Well, like most most things in life, it is both true and false. So today we're talking about how running more will make you a better runner and how running more maybe won't make you a better runner and what is the full picture. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right, so have you ever heard the idea that running more will make you a better runner? Yeah, and it's good and it sounds logical. Like it really seems like if some running is is decent, then more running will get you better because you're just out there doing more running. So you're naturally going to get better at, you know, the whole running thing. Right. And so fundamentally, yes, this is a very true statement. Unfortunately, it's just far too simple. It doesn't give you the entire picture. Right. Which is why you have coaches out there like the high mileage coaches and all their athletes run tons of mileage. Mm -hmm. And then you got other coaches that try and go like counterculture. They go completely against this. They're like, no, 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 you'll be super successful with very low mileage and it sounds nice yeah. and you can get success out of that also so if you can get success high and you can get get success low what is the actual answer to this question i mean that's what we're going to go into today for sure but i mean ultimately whatever you like better kind of i mean that's a very simple way to, to do it right like there are some people like you that love running high mileage and there are other people like me that like to run lower mileage right and the, both of them have have a benefit to them yeah like I think that it's it's too flawed. The same way that it's too flawed to simply say that running more will make you better, you can't also say that running less will make you better. Mm-hmm. Like it, that's too simple also. Right. So you've probably also heard the statement, practice makes perfect, right? But this also is an incomplete statement. A lot of these adages out there and cliches are very incomplete statements. They are true. A lot of cliches are true in a lot of ways. They're just incomplete in and of themselves because practice perfect can make perfect but i mean well i mean if we're really going to get into it what is perfect i don't believe there is such a thing but if you practice incorrectly just putting in hours and just practicing if you're practicing skills in the wrong way is going to get you the wrong results right doing that you're really ingraining poor habits into your body like if i get into a batting cage and i grab the baseball bat upside down and i swing it just absurdly crazy Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if i do that for an hour straight i'm not going to get better i'm going to get better at my awkward upside down swing because i'll be more consistent at that but i'm not going to get better at actually hitting a baseball because I'm purposely doing it wrong. I'm literally ingraining myself into bad habits. Yeah, but if you, most people don't purposely do things wrong, though, right? Most people think they're doing the right thing, and it just might not be the right thing, unfortunately. But the more you practice things in a certain way, the more ingrained that habit becomes. So this is where a lot of people get in trouble is, you know, they think they're doing the right things. Um, and this is one, one of the things I see a lot in strength training, right? Like the way that people perform different strength exercises. They think that they're going through the motions and they're doing the strength training exercises and they're getting stronger. And this is something that we talked about today 
in our strength training class. And thanks to all those people that joined us in our free um, tra- strength training class today. Shout out to you guys. Um, but this is one of the things that we talked about is that if you're practicing those exercises wrong and you're not doing them with the right form, you are not getting the intended results. And in, you know, actually, if you take it one step further, you can actually be doing more damage in a lot of ways. Because if you're doing exercises incorrectly, you can actually be moving the joints in ways that are not helpful and in ways that um, put excessive wear and tear on the joints. And so you're actually doing the opposite. You're actually injuring the body when you think that you're doing something good for it. That's tragic. I know. Same thing happens when you go out running. Especially when people don't really like strength training, you know? (laughs) So like they're actually putting in the time and their effort and they're just doing the exercises wrong or maybe they're doing exercises that just aren't beneficial, right? And that just stinks because you're just wasting your time. Like, Like I finally did it. I got in the habit. Right. I got in my 15 minutes of, of strength training today. Yeah. And like, oh yeah, but for 10 of those, you were actually hurting your knees. No oh, good. that's a bad one. No bueno. So to improve in any area, you have to push beyond your current level and create stress in the body. You know, a lot of times we think about the word stress and think of it as like a negative thing, right? Like we don't want to stress. We want to reduce stress in the body. But for us as runners, we need stress. Like that is how we grow as you know, athletes, we have to stress the body and then allow our body to adapt to the stresses that we place on it for us to continue to improve. Right. Stress is really the fundamental of improvement. Stress allows the opportunity for growth. And so if you increase the amount of stress on the body, you actually increase the chance that growth will continue, that growth will be enhanced. So with this kind of foundation here, you can say that running more will in fact make you a better runner. Like if you increase the amount of stress on your body or the length that that stress is applied to the body, the amount of stresses during the week in terms of like, you know, how many days you're running, more stress will create more opportunity for growth. Mm-hmm. Right. So if we're going along these lines, basically running once a week is not as good as three times per week or running 30 minutes will create better results than running 10 minutes, assuming that it's the same effort level. Right. Like in this case, running more is in fact better, but there's a reason why the example is running three days versus one day and not seven days versus six days. That gets into a little bit more of a gray area of like, well, where's the, where's the upper limit of this thing? Well, it's also the risk reward benefit, right? That ratio that you always have to play. And that ratio is different for everybody. And that's where it starts to get a little bit more nuanced and tricky. Right. Which we'll keep getting into, but before we get there, there's the flip side of this whole stress creates growth Stress creates the opportunity for growth. The the equation, and I stole this from one of my training mentors, um, Steve Magnus, who has the growth equation book out there, which is stress plus rest equals growth. Right. So if you don't have the rest in the middle of it, then the growth isn't there. You put the stress in, you gave yourself an opportunity for growth, Mm -hmm. but if you followed that stress with more stress and not actual rest and recovery, Mm -hmm. your body can't gain any of the benefits. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, in theory, four days of running might be better than three, right? 
But the truth is you will only get the benefit if you have the adequate rest to make up for that extra day of running, right? So if you're just continuously adding stresses and continuously adding more and more and more training, you're not getting that rest that you need. All you're doing is breaking the body down, right? It is in the rest and recovery that the body builds back up stronger than it was before. So you, yes, you have to place stress on the body for it to grow, but you also need to allow adequate recovery for that body to build back stronger than it was before. Right. So let's say that fitness is essentially how much water you can put into a bucket. You so, and your metaphors. I love it. I know. See if you can go with me on this one because I'm not sure I've got this all one right, all the way through. let's do it. Okay. So you want more fitness. So you have to put more water into the bucket. Okay. So you're like, okay, well, if I put water faster into the bucket, if I turn the hose up more, which is sort of like adding more stresses to the body, you give it more chances of filling up to fill up faster. Mm-hmm. Essentially, I'm going to get more fitness right. in I'm the putting more force in. Yeah. Sure. The water in with more force. Unfortunately, if you're not increasing the amount of rest and recovery on there, your bucket actually starts to shrink. So you're trying to fill it up, and you're doing great. You've, you've filled it up really, really quickly, but now you're overflowing, and you can't get any more benefit mm-hmm. from all this stress going in because the bucket itself is literally shrinking because you're not ever recovering. And eventually, the mm-hmm. bucket just keeps getting smaller and smaller because you, you break. Okay. I mean, I can see that metaphor, but I also see the metaphor of like when you are actually putting water into the bucket too forcefully, like when that water's coming out of the hose really, really strong – a lot of that water just splashes right out. Yes. Right? So you're not actually holding on to that water, the, that stress that's trying to – because we're, we're saying that the water is the improvement, right? Yes. So we're not actually getting the improvement because most of that water is just splashing out of the bucket because our body's not able to handle it. Right. So – in order to actually gain the benefits from turning the hose on more, you first have to increase the size of the bucket mm-hmm. so that even if it splashes, it still stays in the bucket. Okay, but like, what does the size of the bucket stand for? How much uh, stress your body can actually handle. Okay. And that's related to how much recovery you're able to fit into your schedule. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you just keep throwing stress at it. If your bucket hasn't changed its size, it can still only hold so much fitness. Mm-hmm. You have to increase the amount of rest and recovery as you start increasing the forces, mm-hmm. like you have to set yourself up. People kind of look at this the, the wrong way. They're like, All right, how can I fit in more running? How can I fit in a longer run, a harder workout? How do I get my strength and I'll stack it on top of a hard workout yeah. without planning? How do I get my recovery in there? How am I going to increase the amount of recovery mm-hmm. So that when I increase my amount of workout, I actually reap the benefits from it. Yeah, exactly. And and this is the thing that a lot of runners neglect to plan out is trying to increase the amount of rest and recovery that they get before increasing their training load, right? And this goes back to our idea of the running foundation. Your running foundation is absolutely key. And the running foundation is mind, body, and skills. That's how we like to train our runners here at Real Life Runners. If you guys are new to us, we have to train mind, body, and skills. That Those are the three legs that make up your running foundation. And, you know, most runners or many runners, you know, f- tend to just focus on miles when they build a base. You know, we, we think about, okay, I need to build my base up because I want to train for a half marathon or a marathon or whatever that race might be. 
So it's a base building phase. People just think about building mileage, you know, and they forget about building up the strength that the body needs in order to be able to tolerate that mileage, building up the recovery that they need in order to give their body the time to adapt to that mileage, building up the mental side of the game, you know, to allow them to stay consistent and motivated and have the mental strength to put in more hours on the road and then also be disciplined enough to take the rest and recovery when they need it. Yeah, like it's it's all aspects of this. If you only focus on mileage, which is what so many people do, especially in this base building phase, like it doesn't matter what else I do. It doesn't matter how fast I'm going. I just need to get more miles. Last time I, I trained for a half marathon, I got myself up to 30 miles a week. This time I'm going to get to 40. Next time I'm going to get to 50, and that will make me a better runner. Not if your body breaks down. Right. Like Maybe your body was strong enough to handle 30, and when you go to 40, if you haven't built the strength foundation, foundation, your body breaks down. Now, before you've even gotten to like your race training cycle, you're, you're maybe hurt or you're right on the verge of injury. Right. That's not the place that you want to start your race training cycle. Yeah. And unfortunately, this is where a lot of our cross country kids show up in August, right? They don't build the base over the summer. We give them summer training schedules, but they're teenagers and they have agendas and other lives outside of cross country. You They've know? got the beach to go to. They've got the beach and some of them go up to the mountains and tell us that they can't run in the mountains and, you know, all, all sorts of fun stuff. But they, you know, in our summer training plans, we put strength in as well as running because a lot of times what happens, and this is, you know, why it's so common, especially in our brand new runners, in our freshmen or in people that are new to cross country, you know, they come in and they end up with shin splints or various other aches and pains because their bodies are not able to handle the mileage. And we, you know, really try to individualize our plans for our runners as much as possible, but we still have practice five days a week and there's just so much that the body can take. And when their muscles are weak coming in, they just don't have the foundation that is going to allow them to run five days per week, you know, period. Yeah, exactly. Like you really, you have to get that strength in first. Like, most people, when they look kind of far out towards like, oh, I'm going to train for this half marathon or marathon, at, at best, they'll do it in two cycles. They'll have a base building cycle where they ramp mileage up, and then they'll have a, a race training cycle where they focus a lot on like, you know, race-specific paces. Mm-hmm. And I've got my own disagreements with that setup. But if you do three cycles, you're going to be in such a better place. If you do a whole cycle of focusing on making sure that your body is strong enough to then up the mileage. Mm-hmm. So then once you have the strength and that endurance, now when you start trying to put speed on top of it, you don't just break everything down. Right. But that takes a whole lot of lack of immediate gratification. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of long-term planning and it takes seeing the individual wins along the way that are not necessarily tied to a number on a clock. Yeah. And it, I mean, or mileage, like, you know, runners love seeing their miles build up, right? Like I that's, do. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things you're like, I had a hundred miles this month or 150 miles this month. Like there's a lot of pride that comes along with building that number up. And so if you're telling a runner, I need you to pull back for the next three months so that we can just focus on your strength foundation and really building up the strength in your muscles so that you can ramp up, a lot of runners are resistant to that because those miles, like that number, means something to them. 
and to runners, a lot of the, the numbers that kind of come along with strength training are just not as, as significant. Well, and it's harder to measure in a way, right? Like, yes, to, you know, today I was able to squat 50 pounds. Next week I'm able to squat 60 pounds. A lot of runners are like, whoop-de-doo, you know, like, yeah. you know, it's, and it's obviously it's not that quickly that you build up the, um, the poundage that you're able to lift. And Yeah, but a good example. But, you know, and, and some runners don't even use resistance. You know, a lot of runners like to just work out with body weight types of exercises. And so, again, it's not as quantifiable, right? Like, I know that a lot of the runners on our training team, they'll tell us, like, oh, my gosh, I feel so much stronger. I know that, you know, when I started doing this circuit at the beginning of the month, it was so hard. I was only able to do two rounds of it, only, like, you know, eight to ten reps of each. And now I'm doing more repetitions and more rounds and I'm just feeling so much stronger, right? At the end of the month. And so they can feel the difference, but it's not as easy to write that down on paper. Yeah. And it, it feels good, but then you, in your training log, it still says how many miles per week you got. Yeah. And if that mileage was down from the week before, you might have some satisfaction with with the strength workouts mm-hmm. that you've put in there, yeah, I feel better when I'm planking. I feel better on doing my squats and lunges or whatever it is that you're doing. I feel better about that exercise. But unless you've really connected that those strength exercises are setting you up, they're literally creating the springboard for amazing success in the future. It's yeah. hard to gain that super satisfaction out of it. Mm-hmm. If you're also looking at the training plan and saying, but my mileage was was down from last week. Right. They, like they kind of cancel each other out. So you get that negative thought, even though really everything is going in the right direction. Yeah, exactly. But going along with that same idea of, right, just feeling stronger and feeling better, this is also what a part of building that running foundation is. Like maybe you're not actually seeing those mileage numbers go up. And in fact, you might even see those mileage numbers go down. But what you're doing, part of building that running foundation is gaining the ability to cover that distance, right? Either your daily runs or your weekly runs without that excessive fatigue and soreness, right? Because maybe the first time you've ever run 10 miles after you ran that, you were just done for the rest of the day. But the more you train and the more you build up that foundation and that base, both in the strength training, you know, with the, with the strengthening that you're doing and just continuing to add mileage in, the next time you do 10 miles and then the following time and the third and fourth and fifth time you run 10 miles, it's not as big of a stress on your body. Your body then learns to adapt. And this is what we're talking about, right? The first time you add that stress on, it's a big deal for your body. You're going to need more recovery after that versus the fifth time you do that same exact workout, that same exact distance, your body's not going to need the same amount of recovery because it knows what it's doing, right? You're going to have some experience. You're going to have some adaptations that you've already made in there. You know, I've, I know that we've talked to some of our members after they've raced their first half marathon, right? And they're like, I don't understand it. Like I, I ran 13 miles in my training or I ran 12 miles. Why do I feel so much more sore after I raced it? It's like, well, you went so much faster. Right. Like, and, and they're like, well, it wasn't that much faster. But yeah, it was. And when you're out there racing, it's just a different mentality. It's a different stress that your body's under. If you're out there running 13 miles 
on an easy run, right? That's a level of stress. And yes, of course, it's stressful for your body to run 13 miles versus if you're actually trying to go out and push for 13 miles straight, right? There's a really big difference between an easy run and actually trying to race something and trying to get like a better time for that run. That's going to put a lot more stress and strain on the body. You're going to be a lot more tired and a lot more sore. That's just something that you can expect. Yeah. I, I mean, you make a, a great point about the races there. I kind of want to go back just a little bit to what you were saying about sort of the first time you go out and run a 10 mile. Yeah. And then the second time is like, most people, a lot of runners out there are looking at this and like, well, I did 10, so that means next week I have to do 11. Yeah. And then the week after I have to do 12 mm-hmm. because I want to make sure that I still am putting appropriate stress on my body. It yeah. goes back to the beginning. Like you need appropriate stress. But running 10 miles once does not suddenly mean your body is now fully adapted and gained all the benefits from a 10-mile run. Yeah. Like the next one does not need to be 11 for you to suddenly gain new advantages from it. Right. You can keep repeating long runs. It could stay at 10 for a while. People get caught up in this like I, I'm sure it was written into a, a running magazine at some point. I don't know if it was ever studied. I don't think I've ever found a study on the 10% mileage increase. Mm-hmm. I think that it just got repeated so many times that people have assumed that it was studied by some sort of running physiologist somewhere. Yeah, I mean, they have done studies on it, but they haven't proved that it's a magic number. It's certainly not a magic right. number. It, it hasn't led to any significant sort of scientific results. And the, the studies that I saw went backwards. Yeah. They went from like, oh, this 10% rule has become a thing. Let's see if we can prove that it is, in fact, a better way of training rather than some scientists came up with it and then people kind of started prescribing it more. Yeah, I mean, that's how most you know, the sports research is. It goes backwards. Yeah. The coaches are like, let's do this thing. And then like, oh, wow, that worked. Let's prove why that worked. Right. You know? And so anyway, back to that base building, like you were talking about though, right? Like doing the same run. And this is something that you explained to me early on in the running, because when I was, you know, first starting to try to get faster, I was under this mentality of like, I wanted to keep getting faster and I wanted to keep seeing my paces drop and my mileages increase. And like, I remember the first time, um, there was a repeat workout on my plan and Mm -hmm. I was like, but I just did this workout like two weeks ago or three weeks ago. And you're like, yeah. And I'm like, well, shouldn't my paces be faster? And you're like, no. And I'm like, but why not? Like I, I did this, you know, a month ago and I was at that pace then shouldn't I be faster now? And you're like, I mean, maybe, but you're still going to do the same workout. You're just going to get different benefits from it. Yeah, you have not fully reaped the benefits of that workout. Like if you are building up mileage for, let's say, a half marathon and you're running 20 miles a week and you're like, okay, well, I feel like I would be better if I was running 30 miles a week. Sure, but that doesn't mean that running 20 miles a week that you've gained all of the benefits from mm-hmm. that. And that doesn't mean that you have to go from 20 to 22 to 25 and get yourself to 30. You could get some benefits of that as long as you're building in appropriate rest from it, but you might be getting just enough benefit you know, depending on what your goal for the race is, staying at the mileage that you're at. And this leads to like kind of a, another point in there is what's the goal? What's the end picture? Yeah. Like 
you don't want to train so much that you've just completely exhausted yourself Mm -hmm. and that you don't find fun in running anymore. Sure, you might be able to get a little bit faster if you added an extra running day during the week. Maybe you could live on that sort of like edge of injury for a while. Or maybe you rework your schedule so that you can actually get all the recovery built in and you've got all this running in, but now you're not able to do all these other things that you normally do during your day. Is that the goal? Like, is the goal so rooted in getting yourself as fast as possible that you're skipping other aspects of your life that you really enjoy? Yeah, and that's only you can answer that question, right? We're not telling you that it's right or wrong because it's your life. It's not ours. Like, you just have to think about that and answer that question for yourself. Is that the way that you want to set up your life for the next couple of months in this training cycle or, you know, for however long? Um, So I think that that's really important is, like, that idea idea of, you know, how does this run feel also like going back to that idea of like, you know, maybe the first time you do that run, you're extremely sore and tired afterward, but the fifth time you're feeling like, okay. Right. And so when you start to feel okay, then maybe that's the sign that it's okay to start adding more mileages and, and, you know, that is really the benefit of, having more than, you know, 12 weeks for a training cycle, you know, especially if it's a long race, that's, um, a half marathon, a marathon, an ultra, whatever distance it is that you want to kind of build up to, you know, a lot of those race training plans, especially for like half marathons and under half marathons, like, you know, most half plans are like 12 weeks. Most marathon training plans are like 12 to 16 weeks. Um, there are some 10 K plans out there that are like eight to 12 weeks. So it just depends. Right. But and a lot of people will, will download those plans from the internet and be like, okay, well, this is how long it takes me for, you know, to train for this thing. And sure, could you do it? Probably. Like, hope, depending on the rest of your life and how much stress is going on in the rest of your life. And again, if you're getting appropriate recovery, you might be able to do that. But is it the best thing for you? If you're able to plan out that longer race further out in advance, and this is why we really like to um, encourage people to not just plan, you know, start running and, and train for a marathon right away. Like give yourself more of a buildup so that you can slowly build that mileage, allow your body to have the adaptations so that it just feels better along the way. Right, because if you're caught up just in that, that you know, quote-unquote 12-week training cycle where I've got a race at the end of these three months, I need to get in everything, all of the different aspects of training to get me from where I am now across that finish line, then suddenly you're in a place where you're trying to increase your endurance and your strength and your speed simultaneously. Yeah. And you sort of can increase all three things, but none of them are going to get that good because you're trying to increase all three at the same time. Yeah, but if you took separate training cycles to work on each one and then put them together, the amount of progress that you would make would be exponentially better, right? And this is what people don't realize. And again, this is goes back to that need for immediate gratification, right? We want to do all the things and we want to do all the things right now. But instead, if we took a cycle to focus just on strength training, right? So we built those strong muscles. Then we added mileage in, just that nice slow distance running, just building up that easy mileage, that cardiovascular endurance, still sprinkling in some speed because we don't want everybody to get bored, right? Especially people like me. And then focusing in on that speed, right? Like you, you create the strength foundation, you create the cardiovascular and that endurance foundation, that base. Then you, you tap into some of that speed while you still maybe increase the 
the distance a little bit. Like it just depends, right? But if you're starting a half marathon training plan at 12 weeks, right? Most of the half marathon training plans will start you at a minimum. You have to be able to run six miles, right? And then over the course of 12 weeks, they will build you up to 12 or 13 miles. And then you have your your half marathon there at the end. But what if you were able to start a half marathon training cycle, that 12 week cycle, already having run 10 miles and having 10 miles feel just kind of normal. Yes. Right? Yes. Like what are you able to do then in those 12 weeks, right? Because then you can start to add in some fun stuff like integrating speed work into your long run and and getting like benefits off of that, right? So there's ways that you can do this that if you actually build a, a strong running foundation and give yourself an appropriate timeline, you actually are able to make even bigger progress it you know will it take longer i don't even know right like because you might be able to get that result like okay i'm going to finish this half marathon in 12 weeks so fantastic right and then i'm going to train for another one and then i'm going to train for another one you know it might be exactly the same amount of time but you might just feel a ton of you know better along the way or since you're only going with just a specific race training plan and never actually building the foundation mm-hmm. of strength and endurance, you actually are never going to get as faster because you're yeah. n- never building everything to its actual full capacity. Right. You're, you're underbuilding everything. Mm-hmm. And then you, you run the race, you get exhausted, you take a little bit of time off, and then you do it again. Yeah. And so you're making such small steps every training cycle instead of just saying, all right, what if I picture this thing a year out. How would I train if I knew that I had a full year to do it? And that doesn't mean that you can't throw some races in along the way for fun because you've got to do some things to make this all entertaining. But what if you actually thought about, man, how could I, how could I train for a half marathon if right now I could run 12 miles and my half marathon was not for another three months? Mm -hmm. You point out the whole idea of like putting speed into a long run. How many people have run a half marathon and felt so exhausted and for the last like three miles of it because they've never run hard for that? long. Right. The training plan was so focused on just making sure that they could get that distance in that they could never actually like race the 13 miles because the training plan didn't get them to race 13. Mm-hmm. It got them to run 13. Yeah. It's, it's completion versus racing, right? It, it's completion versus competition. And, and that competition might not be against other people. It might just be against yourself. It might be against the clock. Who knows, right? Competition can mean different things for different people. But, um, But yeah, I think that this is just a really interesting idea that we want you guys to kind of play around with, right? Like, what are you in such a rush for? Like, why does it only have to be 12 weeks? You know, we have a lot of people come to us for coaching and they're like, you know, they only come and they only hire a coach when they have a race on the schedule, you know, and then it's like the race is over and it's like, okay, thanks. I don't need you guys anymore. And it's like, no, 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 wait, like (laughs) let's, let's think about your running as a whole. And if you don't want, like, if you don't need the personalized, you know, one-on-one weekly feedback and those kinds of things, fine. But like, let's at least set some goals for, you know, the next three, six, 12 months Mm -hmm. so that you can build up to where you want to be and that you can keep improving. You know, a lot of people get to a point Um, whether it's age or whatever, that they're like, well, I just can't get better anymore. And that's just simply not true. Like if you train the right way, you can continue to make progress. That progress might be slow, you know, what does slow even mean, right? But, But I mean, like maybe slower than you want or slower than you expect, like that progress. But I mean, hey, 
the tortoise and the hare, right? Like the slow and steady wins the race. If you can keep making progress month after month, year after year, you're going to just keep getting bigger and better and stronger, right? No matter, it doesn't matter if you're getting older along the way. Right. As opposed to the person who's going for, well, I want to see my improvement go really quick over the next 12 months. And sure. So the, the fitness cranks up quickly over 12 months and then drops back to base level. And then it goes up to 12 months and drops back to base level, but it always drops back to base level. Mm -hmm. There's no steady climb. So every peak is pretty much the same peak. Mm -hmm. Like, have you run the the same race PR six times in a row? Like, that's, you're not gaining anything. Yeah, like if you actually put it down on a visual chart, that's what you would see. I mean, the same thing happens with strength training. I've been doing strength training for years now, and I love it, right? And at first, I was like, I'm not seeing the muscles. Like, I'm not seeing the, the muscle definition. I'm lifting on this weight. I feel stronger, but I'm not seeing the muscle definition. And part of that is because... I don't want to like be so restricted with my food. I still want to be able to eat what I want to eat. And so progress is just going to take me like maybe a little bit longer to see visually. I'm I'm starting to see it now, which I, which I love, but I also haven't, it's not like I've just been eating like my exact macros and like weighing out all of my food and eating chicken and brown rice and broccoli and like, you know, not having desserts and not having treats. Like that's not the way that I want to live my life. And so I still felt stronger, but you know, you maybe didn't see as much muscle definition, but it's coming out now right Mm -hmm. like and and I'm starting to see a lot more of it now and even in my abs which I never thought I would ever see ab muscles before but like it's there and it's you know it, it just sometimes takes a little bit longer and I'm okay with that because of the way that I'm choosing to live my life All right. Excellent. So we've got the foundation of making sure that you've built a base that is not just miles, that you've built a base that involves the the strength in there also, that you can handle the mileage, being able to handle the mental aspect of this. One of the other things that you need that I think is actually important in the foundation is being able to create a schedule that allows for your adequate recovery on here. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to, you know, stay too much time on this thing, but if you're struggling by the end of the week to just complete your runs, if you're like, oh man, it is Friday, I don't even think I can get in my workout today, and it's just an easy run on the schedule, that's not the time to up mileage. Mm-hmm. Increasing mileage is not going to make you a better runner at right. that point. Yeah. Not at all. Not at all. It's actually going to have the opposite effect on you, right? Increasing mileage if you're already exhausted and not getting adequate recovery is just going to continue to break you down and set you up for injury. Right. So part of the the base training here is actually helping to create a schedule that leads to a habit of running and strength training and mobility work and good nutrition and recovery so that your body is fully and completely able to then start gaining all the benefits mm-hmm. from the extra stresses that you will put on it. But the foundation besides, you know, sure, strength training and running is literally creating the habit that allows you to schedule all of these things out and stay on point. Yeah. And I think the, you know, the other thing we want to point out because we are the real life runners here and we want to also um, incorporate running into your real life and understand how your real life also affects your running. When we think about adding stress to the body, It's not just about the number of running days that you're doing or the strength training that you're doing. What else is going on in the rest of your life, right? If you have a very like physically or, you know, emotionally and mentally taxing job, that is a stress on its own, right? And that needs to um, be taken into account also when you're planning your workout days, when you're planning your rest days, right? 
because if you are one of those people that is on your feet, like if you work in construction or nursing or teaching, even, you know, you're on your feet all day long and it's a lot of stress on the body, especially like, I like to think of nurses a lot when I think of this too, right? Because we have a lot of nurses on our training team and they're on their feet all day. They're moving patients, transferring people that are incapacitated, right? Like literally lifting 300 pounds of dead weight. And they're working this on 12 hour shifts. Right. So they're exhausted, right? So, you know, what we like to try to tell um, our nurse clients is that like, you know, if you're working three 12 hour shifts back to back and you only have four other days of the week, you cannot train all four of those days Nope. because just because you're not working doesn't, or just because you didn't work out that day doesn't mean that that's automatically a rest day. Right. So this is one of those things where okay, you had three 12 hour shifts during the week that leaves you four other days. And so, so many of, uh, of the clients that we've got are like, well, that means I need to run on all four of those days. Mm-hmm. Like, mm, you're probably gonna need to take an actual physical rest on one of those days, right. which means you may actually have to double up and like strength train and run on a different day so that you have a full complete rest day yeah. where you're not at work and you're not working out and your body and mind can actually recover because you need that recovery to actually gain the benefits from anything else. Right. Exactly. So, you know, kind of pulling this all together, right? Running more will improve your running ability unless it breaks you down physically or mentally. That's really what it comes down to, right? Running more will make you a better runner if you're doing it correctly, if you're allowing adequate rest and recovery for you to gain the benefits of it, as long as you are, um, you know, when I say as long as you're doing it correctly, making sure that you are running most of your runs at an easy pace and then putting in some, um, some speed work or some mileage building or those kinds of things. But most of your runs need to be at that easy pace. If you're going out and you're pushing hard, you know, medium to hard on all of your runs, that's going to just break you down. You're not going to get the benefits of that. Hey, you nailed it there. Like, it is very clear that, yes, running will improve your ability to run unless you're broken. And the other aspect of this is your training in order to actually improve yourself is more than running. A, a runner needs to improve their foundation, which is mind, body, and skills. And they need to put mind, body, and skills into a schedule that actually fits into their full life and everything else that that encompasses. Yeah, exactly. So yes, running more will make you a better runner sometimes and sometimes it won't is really what it comes down to. So we hope that you guys found this information helpful. If, if so, please share it with one of your running friends or take a screenshot of it and share it on your favorite social media platform. Ours right now is Instagram. We love, um, our Instagram followers over there. We love connecting with all of you guys over there. And I've been, um, chatting a lot with you in the DM. So if you're new to, uh, following us on Instagram, please send me a hello. I would in the DMs. I would love to say hi and get to know you a little bit better. Um, it's really fun connecting with you guys over there. Excellent. So if you haven't followed us yet over on Instagram, you can find us at Real Life Runners, and uh, we post a ton of very valuable free content for you guys on a daily basis over there. So as always, guys, thank you so much for spending this time with us today. This has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number two hundred and twenty-three. Now get out there and run your life. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, 
you have to come check out the Real Life Runners training team. It's our monthly coaching program where we take all of this material, we apply it, and we take it to the next level. We teach you how to train your mind, body, and skills for true and lasting success in your running and your life. We offer customized training plans, live coaching calls, and one-on-one coaching, along with our proven system to help you transform into the runner you want to be and achieve your goals. Come join our team over at realliferunners.com forward slash team and start to truly run your life. We'll see you there.